Welcome to the RV Travel Podcast. I'm Scott Linden. So glad you could join me. Brought to you in large part by RVTravel.com. They're the ones who make it possible. Today, we vent. Our priority is to get stuff off our chest. Ours, yours, everybody else's. Whether it's a bad neighbor in the campground and crappy drivers on the road, irate camp hosts, you name it. Kate Doherty from RVTravel.com is going to join us. She's assembling the list. I bet you have your own additions to it, so feel free to shout them out right towards the middle speaker anytime during this edition of the RVTravel.com podcast. We'll also offer up a few suggestions on RV or etiquette protocol, politeness, consideration, whatever you want to call it. So we're going to focus on all that stuff and have a little fun at the same time. Uh, we're also going to uh, cover a recall for you Jayco owners. We're going to take a quick look at a Class B from Thor and some more industry news and trends all brought to you by clear to o Water Management, Soft Start RV, and the Teardrop Shop. So keep it tuned right here. Listen on the run. If you got a phone and a Bluetooth connection in your rig, Listen right here at rvtravel.com and anywhere you get your podcast. Hope you'll join me at the rvtravel.com podcast page as well. Hope you're out having a good time. This is the time of year when we start looking toward fall. You know, if you don't already, I'll tell you again, I'm a, I, they don't have a 12 step program for bird hunting. That's my goal is to form, form one of those at some point, a support group for all of us. In the meanwhile, I'm joined this week in the studio by my bird dog, three devils, wingman's flicker, call name flick. We're both getting in shape for hunting season. Maybe you are too. What that means around here is all the honey do's that need to get done. And, um, it seems like the list gets longer every week, not shorter, but we did score a couple big ones instead of going out and training or RV travel. Ran to the dump with 600 pounds of stuff. Where do we get all this stuff? And then reseeded the entire front lawn. Okay, I consider those major homeowner victories, at least at our house they are. Did get out last weekend, visited a great state park in the um, the Washington, Oregon, Columbia Gorge area. Lots of incredible pictographs, rock art, petroglyphs, we call them sometimes. They're slightly different, but it's a long story. Beautiful spot. Um, not only did it have the in situ rock art, but it had a lot of chunks of lava rock that had been moved from some of the waters that um, were rising on the Columbia River. They put them down there as well. It's an incredible journey. Fascinating stuff out there. Hope you're learning something when you get out on the road as well. So anyhow, lots to talk about here. And uh, let's just get started with some hot news. Yeah, trying to keep you up to date on all the things that are really important to you. Thor Motor Coach, you know them. Well, they're the 800-pound gorilla in the RV room anymore. They've just introduced a couple new Class Bs. The first version called the Rise. Oh, and being cool, it's R-I-Z-E. And then they have an upmarket version of the same rig called the Scope. S-C-O-P-E. Rise and Scope. 18 feet long. Built on the Mercedes chassis like everybody else is doing. Fascinating move for the Thor Motor Coach folks. All right, so um, news from California and a few other places down the road. We actually talked with this guy a while back. We'll be talking more with him later. You go to the campground, you pay your fee. Uh, they don't have hookups for everything right there at each campground, campsite, but they have a dump station on the way out usually. Well, in California, they are adding a payment system. It's all credit card based, electronic, automated dump stations in 21 of their state parks so far. I know, 
one more cost. Separate and distinct from the regular campsite fee or their entrance fee. Leave it to California to find another way to charge visitors for something we used to get for free. That's the way of the world. Quick reminder, the RVTravel.com podcast is brought to you in part by Clear 2O RV and Marine Inline Water Filter and their Dirt Guard 20 Micron Washable Reusable. I'll call it a pre-filter. You attach it to your regular inline Clear 2O filter. These are the bright green ones. And it takes out all the big chunks. The good news is that makes your other water filter last longer and you can take it off, wash it out, and put it back in. It's a first and it's from clear2o.com. Find out more about all the deals over there, free shipping in the lower 48 for 100 bucks or more in purchases. Check out all the five-star reviews. It's all at clear2o.com. We've all been there, uh, you know, flies, vinegar, honey. I think that's one of them, but there's a whole bunch of others out there. And this season in particular with so many newcomers or so many people who have been disappointed in one way or another over their RV travel experience, there's a lot of, uh, I don't know what to call it, flying around in the atmosphere. So it was fortuitous that rvtravel.com writer Kate Doherty was working on this when we started griping about it together a while back. So let's start with Kate. Kate, welcome to the rvtravel.com podcast. Well, hi, Scott. It's nice to be back again. It is. So just to, just to make sure that we're all on the same wavelength, where are you these days? I'm in Wyoming. High desert country, beautiful mountains, and a lot of sunshine in the high dry desert of about 4,500 feet. You didn't mention the wind. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's mighty windy. That's for sure. There are no such things as good hair days. No, it, there aren't. <laughs> you just have to enjoy the, what's good about it is the dry humidity. That's very nice. Yeah, you know, I live on the high desert. I live at the other side of the Great Basin, but on this, basically on the same ecosystem. And uh, that is absolutely, I mean, when it got up to 112, it was still a dry heat, you know, so um, good. I'm glad to hear you're enjoying some of that. And just to, just to put everything, to establish your bona fides, you are an RV traveler of renown. You write on any number of subjects for RVTravel.com, but you also have another perspective, and I think that's going to be the most fascinating part of our discussion. You're kind of schizophrenic from a practical standpoint because you're also a work camper, in the RV business once in a while, aren't you? Absolutely. Been to more than one camp and more than one situation. And it's all part of being a full-timer. Yeah. I, like I don't like to be bored and I love people. So how can you be a neighbor or be just a visitor? You don't get a chance to meet people without doing something for the park that will have you an opportunity to encounter many, many people. You know, that's so true. And we, we talk about it in, in another industry I'm deeply involved in. And that is, you know, just approaching each other and doing something, talking about something is a little hard. But if you're on task, it gets a little bit easier. And I joke about it as, you know, two, two men who don't know each other well aren't going to sit there and get to know each other. But if there's a football game in between them or they're working on a car all of a sudden things open up a little bit. Do you find that same thing happens when you're a, well, on either side of the desk as a work camper or a, an RV park visitor? Yes, uh, twofold. I find it, well, there's, I look at it this way. I think we've evolved over the last 36 to 48 months and not necessarily in a good way. There used to be a, for full-timers, there was always a, I look at it as, go back into the 50s and 60s of the Ozzie and Harriet day, when you didn't have to lock your doors and everybody was neighborly and they would greet you with a friendly smile and a hello, 
and how are you? And now you don't, I don't see that nearly as much. So what's nice about work camping and being able to register guests, talk to them face-to-face, and find out where they're from, where they've come from, what's their plans, where they're going, and, and, and hopefully leave them with something besides a smile so that their encounter and neighborliness to the people they're parked next to or from or across, maybe they'll get, actually do the same for them. It's kind of a pay it forward, but not in monetary, uh, not in a monetary way. What I'm looking at is paying it forward with respect, friendliness, um, accountability, helpfulness, needing, being a good neighbor. That's what, when we got into this as full-timers, we were given the same respect, neighborliness. Hey, you need some help? We can tell you're new. Let me show you how to hook up your rig. Let me show you how to do your leveling systems. And and it just came out of absolute, out of the blue. Now, when we have people who are struggling, we look at them as if, are we all in the subway in New York where nobody <laughs> wants to talk to you, where nobody wants to look at you eye to eye and make eye contact? And God, let's keep looking at the floor because God forbid somebody might actually say something to us or get in an elevator. I can remember when I was in college, I had the nerve, I guess, to approach the CEO of a big bank in uh, a very, very nice city in Oklahoma. And I was tasked with, as a college student, to talk to a stranger about something completely off the wall. So I get an elevator and the CEO of this big bank, an oil type baron, I would expect, and I started talking to him. He, he had his hat on. He was dressed to the nines, probably had a fedora. He even had a walking cane with a brass tip and a brass handle. So the guy was definitely, he had two nickels to rub together. Yeah, yeah. And the first thing he looked at me as if totally dumbfounded, didn't expect a youngster at all to ask a question or make contact and make conversation young lady, have you been drinking? And I said, no, sir, it's 9 o'clock in the morning. Why would I? Oh, my. Uh, but again, I had to do something that was out of character. And from then on, I, and of course, having been in the military, the first thing you do is you learn very quickly, why are you, why, why be shy? You're not going to gain anything by being shy, and you better learn very quickly to, to get along with others. And that was probably one of the greatest times in my life. Had more fun doing things that people would go, oh, you did KP? Heck yeah, we had the music on, we danced in the kitchen, <laughs> got to know everybody there, and there was commonality, a brotherhood, a camaraderie that can to this day not be challenged. And, um, and you know, and that's just, I mean, it's its just like right now. I mean, if, if you're parked and somebody backs in next to you and you're Granted, some people don't want the help, but, you know, you can figure that out. But at least the willingness to help if needed is there. Once they set up, how can you not visit with these people at least a little bit? Now, granted, again, some of us go to be away from all of that. But what is the definition of uh, minimal friendliness at an RV park? I think just the minimal is when you're trying to look at somebody and they don't, they won't look, they won't yeah. look at you, yeah. and you just keep looking at them. And finally, hello, how are you today? And I think it's become, it's more ingrained into those of us who maybe be in our 60s and 70s, because we grew up in an era where it was more prevalent. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't grow up in downtown New York City, where God forbid, I I could. The first time I said that to somebody, and I was in the subway of New York, and I got poked by my mother-in-law. Said, <laughs> You're not supposed to talk to people. And I looked at her and I went, why not? Yeah. What was wrong with making eye contact and conversation? And she just people look at you like you're crazy. Well, then, then maybe I'm crazy. Well, I, let me make a, a promise to listeners. They're not going to hear anybody on this podcast say, kids today beyond the one time I just said it, but there is a, uh, there is a, um, a, you know, an incredible difference uh, between um, the average RVers generation and younger generations. So, so tell us why don't, why don't you go, we, I'm checking into your RV park. You're the camp host uh, for a while. Mm -hmm. You're helping out. And, um, and what would, what would your typical gripe be with me. I mean, if I, I pull in, I gave you my credit card or I just pulled to my side or you direct me to my side. Uh, what is the thing that just 
trips your trigger about, uh, I mean, what is the most common gripe you have? Well, there's about eight or 10 common gripes. And this is not from just me. This yeah. is experience, but it's also from people telling me yeah. all over the U.S. Oh, I bet. It's also been in surveys because I write and I read a lot. And, and so it's a thing that has evolved over the last few years. And I think it's everywhere. It's not just as an RV park, but it's in campgrounds, whether you're tenting or sure. whatever. Yeah. First off, lying to somebody. Hi, I'm coming in with a 40-foot, and I'm pulling a 30-foot trailer. Oh, the site's only 50 feet. What are we doing with your trailer? Uh, and, and in other words, pr um, purposely omitting information is not really good. Yeah. How many people? How many people are traveling with you? Uh, three. And all of a sudden, you find out it's a 32-foot motorhome, and they've got seven people in there. Yeah. Hmm. And, and it's it's like, wait a minute. What what is wrong with being upfront and honest about? everything so one of the first things i'm writing about in the next article coming out has to do with respect put yourself in the shoes of the person you're talking to uh we had a lady just the other day called it just happened to be i was checking somebody in and the owner of the park was taking the telephone call and i'm listening in the background while i was waiting for the credit card uh electronic credit card to complete the transaction and i heard her say i did call you back and the woman apparently said, well, it'd be nice if you'd call back. Well, first off, when you call before opening hours and you don't give enough information, it doesn't help for the park to be able to go, is there availability based on suitability? When we don't know the length of your vehicle, what you're pulling, what you're driving, how many people are with you, are you towing a vehicle? We've had people pull in the park with, you got a big motorhome. You're towing a trailer, and then you got a boat behind you. I'm like, <laughs> what are you, a road train? Yeah. And, and, and I, I mean, I've done laughing, but I've also kind of bit my tongue going, come on. Nobody is this naive. And trying to pull the wool over the eyes or pulling in. I had a guy pull in, a real nice guy, and I'm a horse lover. So he had this really cool, it was about 45 feet long, a live-in horse trailer. Sure. But he's pulling it with a big dually pickup. Never called ahead. Pulls in at 4.30 in the afternoon. Got any spaces? Said, sorry. I said, about the only thing we've got left is about a 32-foot back-end water and electric. I said, you won't fit. He goes, well, hell, I guess I should have called you. Yeah, I've done. Yeah. He goes, but maybe I just wanted to stop by and see if you had any leftover cookies. <laughs> and I said, good reason to stop by, but next time call us. Maybe we will have spot for you. I love it. But, what, but on the thing, I'm a very overt person. I like to talk to people. I like to make them laugh on the phone when they're calling, even though I have to sometimes feel like I have to reach through the telephone and extract pertinent information. How big is your motorhome or trailer? I don't know. That doesn't <laughs> help me. Or when you call and leave a message at 6.30 in the morning and we pick it up when the office opens. Hi, this is Dean. I need a, I need a site for the 17th of July. Okay. What are you driving? Do you need a tent site? Do you want to rent a cabin? Do you want a big pull-through? Again, all we're doing is, and I'm trying to give people what it's like to be in our shoes because... Now I gotta, we have to look and we, we pull up the site map and say, what's available for the 17th of July? Okay, we got a few things, but it doesn't help us not knowing if yeah. you're a 45-foot big boy and you may be pulling something that won't fit in your site or you're only a 22-foot van or you may even be a tent camper on your pickup truck. Right. But, so when they don't give us enough pertinent information or they send an email going, I'm thinking about coming in in August. That's good. I'm thinking about winning the lottery. <laughs> I and, never stop thinking happen. about that. Yeah. <laughs> I but, actually have to go buy a yeah. ticket. <laughs> That's Kate Doherty. She's with RVTravel.com, among other things. I'm Scott Linden, the host of the RVTravel.com podcast. All right, Kate, I'm waving my magic wand. Put yourself on the other side of the desk. You're parked and somebody's pulling in next to you. Mm -hmm. What is the, the biggest nightmare you have about that neighbor? What are they going to do that we fear most? Two things. We just had one two days ago. I had to actually 
called uh, on the radio. My husband said, please go help this guy. He's tried to back in seven times. He's go- he's No, he came within inches of knocking over the electrical pedestal. Yeah. We've had people run over the sewer hose. Mm-hmm. And about literally about two weeks ago, again, we, I had to dispatch him and say, would you please go up and help this guy? He came down and told, told us that his sewer hose was too big. And we said, wait, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. Everybody's sewer hose is four inch. It's universal. It's no different if you're in California or you're in New England. And he goes, well, mine's too big. And I said, I'll dispatch somebody up to see you. He was trying. He had to cover off the water intake for fresh water yeah. and trying to put his sewer hose in the fresh water I'm not area. laughing at him. I'm, I'm not either laughing because, with him. <laughs> but, the poor, but there are people who just even two days ago, a guy didn't know how to put down his uh, levelers. Sure. And he had his front and back wheels off the ground. And so we said, wait a minute, just hang tight. Let me go dispatch somebody. We're not really supposed to do that, meaning because there's liability involved with, yeah. oh, you did something wrong, you ruined my whatever. And so my husband, he, we have some plastic and also wood bottom what you'd call uh, levelers but you put them on the on the ground sure to help and so he said look well well, i'll let you use these because right now this is what you need to do and there's also use the one digit midgets called your forefinger hit the automatic leveler (laughs) don't try to do each one by yourself you had four under your left front tire and none under your right and what do you and you want to know why you're leaning to the right and it's the naivety of people and you understand a lot of these people are jonesing to get out they were hogtied because of the covid and the unruly restrictions in their country city state whatever and i'm talking about people from north america people from canada we see it all and yet go ahead one i'm seeing a commonality here and that is if we don't know what we're doing we take it out on somebody else and so the, the lesson I'm going to take from all of that, if we want to put a positive spin on this is, you know, you, the, the first time you operate your RV should not be in the local, it should not be in a KOA 400 miles away. You could do all this stuff in your driveway and learn how it all works. And if you don't know how, your dealer should be teaching you how. And if they're not going to do it, somebody else on the internet will help you do it. Am I, am I seeing a, no. a common problem here? Absolutely. But here's another integer that's going to mix up the algorithm here. It's renters. Nah. They're going out for the first time renting uh, Travel America and renting motorhomes that are small. They have no idea how to use them. Uh, I saw it in Colorado last year. I saw it all over the place where people wanted to get away. Understand. However... They're renting a vehicle. It's no different than renting a car, but it's much more complicated. Now we've got electric sewer. We've got uh, all kinds of things, water, heat, all these different uh, integers that are part of, oh, I don't know what I'm doing. Hooking up, and they, I just next door, the guy came in a couple hours, or actually about an hour before I started talking to you. I opened up our rig because I was finishing writing an article, and I said to my husband, tell that gentleman he needs a water pressure reducer. We've, we've got 80 to 90 pounds of PSI here. He's going to burst his hose or he's going to burst his pipes or potentially, I should say, mm-hmm. burst that. Mm-hmm. And we don't want to be responsible for your naivety. Well, I didn't know that. And he was putting the pressure reducer on the wrong side of the hose. Yeah. It doesn't help. It needs to be, <laughs> you know, but it's, it's like anything else. It's helping somebody to avoid a, a catastrophic scenario. And we've had it happen. Um not necessarily to us, but we've seen people ruin all kinds of things because of hastily trying to pull into a spot, didn't know what you were doing, or your pride wouldn't let you ask for help, or the passenger wasn't helping. And I've watched people try to help other people back into a site that was ample in length, and they, had, and they couldn't figure it out. And so we'd have to get out there and direct them and say, no, 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 no. When I turn my hand this way, you turn the wheel that way. And when you're looking backwards in a rear view mirror, some people just can't hand-eye coordination, can't do it. Yep. And so, oh, yeah. And then there's all types of things where people go, um, <laughs> well, I had a guy pull in a pull-through a pull through deal the wrong way, and he wondered why his sewer hose wouldn't fit, and it was on the other side. And I said, well, <laughs> did it occur to you that <clears throat> the rest of the row was facing 
this direction and you're facing the opposite direction? Well, I wanted to pull in there because my neighbors weren't going to picnic with them. Okay, but you can't pull in correctly. Now you need more sewer hose or you have to pull up your jacks, back out, and go back around and come in the the and orient your vehicle the right way so you don't have to go buy extra sewer hose. And you want to know why your electric uh, cord's not going to be long enough to fit to the pedestal? I mean, there's all kinds of things. And yes, we do have to laugh. In fact, um, when I was in Red Bay last summer, I watched a guy, and he looked like they had been around the barn a couple times. Wasn't worried about him. And all of a sudden, they start pulling away, and I'm, and it had just rained. And all of a sudden, I go, oh, shit, excuse my French. I start running across the parking lot, I'm running through mud puddles, and I'm waving and yelling at this guy. His door awning was still out, and he was going to go down the highway. Oh yeah, you know, <laughs> he, he, you know, it's in it's it's in the article that I've got on draft right now for the le- newsletter, and stuff happens. Remember Forrest Gump, the famous "It happens" saying that morphed into what we still talk about today. Yep, stuff happens. So when the guy opened up the door, he was looking at me like, "Why are you waving and yelling at me?" I pointed to his awning, and he goes, "Oh," and he said a few expletives and said sorry and i said looked at him and i said hey it happens to all of us now and then yeah i love it and it's so true i want you to ponder during the break um one uh, one more of those you know we all think after a few years or a few decades of rv travel that we know it all and we uh and and we we never make that awning mistake but we do so think about some of those just to bring us back to reality while i remind people that this is the rvtravel.com podcast if you'd like to subscribe to the podcast insider newsletter and get the podcast a couple days early just go to rvtravel.com slash subscribe scroll down the podcast insider newsletter will be one of those you tick that box you hit the bottom blue box and then you're done and you will get it every week giveaways prizes we're doing all sorts of fun stuff it will only get better as time goes on you know getting better this is the time of year when we're always looking for ways to stay cool and one of the easiest ways to do it even if you're boondocking even if you're just plugged into household current somewhere is with the soft start rv that's the little electronic aid, if you will, that you uh, splice into your air conditioner and you can use household current. You can run off a generator that maybe doesn't have quite enough wattage on it. You can run two air conditioners on one 30 amp connection if you need to. The good news is you'll save 30 bucks right about now. Pay only $2.99 at softstartrv.com slash stay cool. Just like my dog Flick, he's in there panting right now, but he's cool enough for me, and I'm cool enough for him. He's really cool, by the way. Risk-free 90-day money-back guarantee plus free shipping in the USA and Canada. Learn more about it at softstartrv.com slash stay cool. And I'm Scott Linden the host of the rvtravel.com podcast. On the other end, in the left-hand speaker is Kate Doherty with rvtravel.com. You recognize her byline. We are venting. We're getting stuff off our chest, and maybe you are too. Maybe you're slamming your hand on the dashboard as you're driving down the road, or you're just nodding and smiling, but we've all been there, and so let's try and learn something from all of this. Kate, your assignment over the break was to uh, think about yeah, let's take down a peg or two. Some of the folks who who maybe deserve to be taken down a peg or two. What are some of the worst examples of experienced RVers thinking they got it all together when it's really fraying at the edges? Are you talking about somebody who's already parked on their way in, driving down the highway? What would you like as an example? I've got all three. I, I love all of them. Let's go right down the list <laughs> from the top to the bottom. Well, put it this way, thank goodness for air horns. And I'm actually finishing another article that's called How to Effectively Use Air Horns to Avoid uh, Unobservant Drivers. You're going down the road, four or five lane highway, major interstate, and you're just traveling along in the right-hand lane and the egress coming in off on an on-ramp 
is somebody who's texting, putting on lipstick, or not paying attention. And of course, they're not my age. And if they, if it weren't for air horns, we would have had people run right into the right-hand side of us, going down the road in our own lane, not paying any attention, texting, and <clears throat> as I said, putting makeup on or doing something they shouldn't, and they're not paying any attention whatsoever. And so another article I'm writing has to do with uh, dash cams. Yeah. Uh, dash cams can be very important. I've had friends up in Libby, Montana, that said if a word for a dash cam when they had to flag down an officer that said, this car, and they were t giving them the description of the car that was going down the road, <clears throat> weaving all over the place, like potentially impaired driving or whatever the case may be, uh, it almost had an accident. And nobody needs to get into an accident. And so if it weren't for our air horns, and I'm talking, thank God for these air horns. So when he stopped and talked to, um, we, when we're getting fuel, we'll stop to 18-wheel drivers and ask them, how are things going? What do they say? Then they say the same thing. It's getting worse every year with people who have either their skills are not up to par, perhaps it's the training, or there's the fact that they just don't care, that their driving skills, uh, they're not paying attention. Is there too many gadgets in the vehicle? Are they drinking and eating French fries and running down the street? Whatever. But it's evident because I've talked to a lot of folks, and you can see it in, in the articles in the RV Travel Newsletter. Accidents. What is causing the accident? A non-observant driver? Somebody who's not caring, not paying attention? Uh, or is the skills of their driving well beyond their, their wheelhouse? Oh, Should I they agree. not even be behind the wheel? I agree. I, I think to a great degree what we have lost in the last few generations, or quite a while actually, is what, uh, what well, you know the term situational awareness. Yeah, correct. Um, I joke about people who, um, you know, a thousand years ago would have been eaten by a cave bear. They're so clueless to what's going on and you put them behind the wheel. And that is a problem. And, and granted, it's not just the other people, the civilians out there, it's RV drivers doing the same thing, isn't it? Yes, it is. I see people who shouldn't be going 80 miles an hour in a 40 or 45 foot, I thing weighs 45 or 50,000 pounds, or, or you're driving too fast pulling a fifth wheel and you're going 80, 85. And I'm thinking, my God, that isn't exactly what I'd call a secure, uh, you know, a sin tandem scenario. You have a blowout on a tire. 80 to 85 is extreme for pulling 10 to 15,000 pounds behind you. And, and then when you get into a windy environment like the Badlands and West, oh, that's not fun watching things weaving in front of you. And then do you decide to slow down and let them get well ahead of you? Or do you pull out and pass just so that you can avoid anything potentially happening because they're in too close a proximity yeah, to you yeah. and too much can happen both laterally while they're parallel to you while you're passing them or while they're in front of you. You don't, and it's, it's, it, it makes you feel precarious. You're like, gosh. Yeah. Yeah. We've, and, we've all seen those dash dash cam videos, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, the airborne trailers and things like that. All right. So, um, here, give, let, let me help you here. Let me sprinkle some fairy dust back, mm -hmm. back onto the microphone for you. Um, let's have some fun. What about one that, you know, everybody, including the offender, slapped their forehead and chuckled or laughed afterwards? What was one of those that maybe as a camp host or as a neighbor in a campground that you just thought uh, kind of made everybody's day when it was really just kind of a goof? Uh, are you talking about the person who made a faux pas? So yeah, to speak, very or? much so. Yeah. <laughs> well, I thought driving down the highway with the, the awning out was one hell yeah, of a Yeah, that's faux a good pas. one. He's lucky that's he didn't get one. very far. Yeah. Um, um, the faux pas of not knowing the difference between a sewer hose and freshwater hose, that's pretty bad. Oh, my. Well, trying to put your sewer hose and you think yep. your sewer hose is yeah. too big and you're trying yeah. to put it in the ingress area of the fresh water. Um, I don't know. I, I, I look at the people and I go, come on, did you not walk around your vehicle? Did you not realize that you actually have to do things in sequence? And sometimes I just look and go, God help them. Let's talk a little bit about um, Kate's must do you know in the boy scouts we have the slogan we have the law we have all sorts of things that we're supposed to kind of adhere to that make us better in one way or another i don't mean better than other people i mean just we're better 
ourselves, better citizens, better neighbors, better friends. You have a list like that? Oh, yeah. I do have a list. Well, let's hit um, a couple of those. One how, word. How can you be a good citizen? Respect. Yeah? Uh-huh. Absolutely. If you can't respect the boundaries of your... Everybody has a boundary. There's a site. Uh, you live in a suburb area. You, some of you people will have a fenced-in area so your dog can run around or not. But it, that's your domicile. Well, so is every site a domicile. And there's unwritten rules and golden rules and, of course, the uh, imaginary boundary. It doesn't mean you get to encroach in the neighbor's site mm-hmm. so you don't flow over your garbage or you don't let your dog loose so he can poop in somebody else's and then they step in it. That's a big pet peeve. Or not the pun. Pick, and uh, exactly, and they don't, and then not picking up the poo. I had a guy uh, for my article that had to do with pet etiquette, and he says he carries extra bags to the dog parks yeah. at other campgrounds when he's there, mm-hmm. and he watches people not pick up their dog poop when it's blatantly available in signage all around the park, all around the dog park, and he goes over and he offers to them. Uh, an extra bag and they said no and so he picks it up he takes it back and delivers it to them and says i think you left this behind <laughs> that guy's it's in the, he's it's got on a, lot, the, a lot of he, nerve <laughs> he has a lot of nerve and he says yeah you could have to be prepared sometimes for some consternation understandable but i see it more now than i did three years ago yeah is it that and and i feel bad um for park owners camp and work campers it's not our job to pick up your dog's poop. It is your job as a responsible pet owner, and shame on you if you don't do that. And I think it's terrible. Then you've got people who get a little panicky, like, oh, my God, I don't want my dog sniffing it. What if your dog has worms? Da-da-da-da-da-da. Then now you've got a blown-up situation when all it took was a 13 seconds, and that's about all it takes to pick up dog poop. You grab it, you put it in the bag, you dispose it in either the compost area or garbage, and it's real easy because most campgrounds will provide places for you to do that. Sure. A lot of them will even give you extra bags. But to be so irresponsible to neglect it and just leave it, it's like, nah, I think I'll leave my hotel room dirty because that's that's her job to clean it up. That's There's, different. <laughs> but, you, would you do that at home? <laughs> Let's, and I've, I've been in campgrounds where they'll have the little fenced-in area. And the dogs will bark and bark and bark, and nobody does anything. And I've watched people go, God, I, I'm sitting out here in the sun trying to read in my quiet space, and I can't because they have a cacophonous group over there that's trying to outdo, you know, the Jackson 5. And it's sad that people don't respect others' privacy, others' space, others' noise space. Hey, hey, speaking of that, and I, this is this fits right into this, and, and I've, I've never had one. We've never had an outdoor entertainment area on any of our rigs. And, you know, when you're cheek by jowl in a standard RV park campsite and the guy next to you uh, pulls the drawer out, puts on the big screen TV and watches who knows what, it doesn't matter, and uh, the volume is uh, high enough to where you can watch the same TV from a hundred feet away, what's the standard uh, kind of protocol in in a situation like that? I've read some of the comments when I um, wrote for an article that had to do with quiet noise. Mm-hmm. It's it's almost like you when you pull up to a traffic light and you got the guy next to you that's got the radio blaring so loud and the boombox in the back. He's going to be deaf at age thirty. You look at and you can feel the vibration of the bass. It's no different than the guys watching the Longhorns play uh, the Sooners. And who wants to hear that 10 sites away? And then you're having a couple of beers. That's great. Everybody's entitled to some enjoyment. But wait a minute. I'm not a football lover, and I'm four sites away from you. Or I came here because it's supposed to be a nice thing and quiet time's supposed to happen. But now if we're watching something later, later into the night, quiet time usually at most campgrounds begins at least as late as 10 o'clock mm-hmm. and and they're not respecting other people's and then they're had it happen again about a month ago we had uh, a golf tournament nearby so we had apparently some of these guys guest guys only so there's three or four guys traveling together in a fifth wheel and they happened to park 
right between myself, our, our campsite, and somebody who's two sites away, just here for a week. Got to know them, great folks. We'll, we'll be keeping in touch with them. But these guys would go out, and they're having a great old time. Can't blame them. But they're bringing the imbibing, the cacophonous laughter that happens when you've had about five too many beers. And they're doing this at 10, 30, 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock at night. And they're getting louder and louder. Um, you know, they're smoking. This was during the time when our, and it was nice out. You could have your windows open for fresh air at night. And then the smoke is literally going into other people's uh, rigs. They're just, and they, I don't think they really meant it, but when you're drinking, you do not realize the decibel level of your language and the, the intonations sure. that's going on. And I felt bad for the people. They came in, they just said very nicely, the guy said, look, guys, I know you're having a good time, but we are trying to sleep, and we are not part of your party, so would you mind pulling your picnic table that's right under our slide uh, over to, into your slot so that you can keep the smoke from coming into our, our rig? And they said, fine, fine, fine. They were nice about it. But these guys did not stop drinking for three full days. You could tell by looking at them early in the morning when they came in and go, oh, bye. So 3 o'clock one morning, some dummy was sleeping in the pickup truck parked parallel, or per, excuse me, perpendicular to the guy's rig, and he must have rolled over and set off the car alarm. <laughs> I guess... Uh, that was 3 o'clock in the morning. That woke me up. karma. And that's as like, no. And so the after I said to the owner, I said, look, we can take care of it. I said, but you don't have to worry about me. You have to worry about the guy next to him on the other side. He's already had a complaint of X. And what's really going to happen is next year, they're not going to be allowed here. They're, it's going it's to be to the point where we don't need you. If you can't behave like a civil person for the respect of other space and their quiet time, we don't need you. We don't need your money. Okay, sw switch gears, so, mm -hmm. to, so to speak. What is the protocol? I, I know there are quiet hours, and, and involved in that quiet hour is your generator. But where do we put our generator within our spot to be the least obtrusive to other people's uh, campsite experience? Well, if you're in a spot that has electric, you shouldn't be running your generator. Sure. Generators usually would be for boondocking, dry camping, uh, way out in the, in, in the hinterland, so to speak. At least at the last few parks that I've worked at, not allowed. You're yeah. not allowed to be running your generator at night. No different than the, for the trucking industry. They're not allowed to be in a, you know, a parking spot or a wayside area running their generators at night for noise, yeah. for pollution, for whatever reason that that regulation was put in. But here, it's not allowed at all. Um, but there are so, there are tons. Uh, I stay in tons of Forest Service campgrounds that are just campsites, and they're you know, one after the other, after the other, after the other, and everybody's firing up their generators. And, you know, some people will put it as far away from their own RV as possible, which means it's right next to somebody else's RV. They, well, they really shouldn't be doing that, but they also should put the exhaust so that it does go away from you because, remember, there's carbon yeah. monoxide. Yeah. And we've heard of people that have had that problem, but for the most part, I I've not been in too many state parks where I've heard, and I'm talking state parks or COE camps where we've been there two, three weeks at a time and not have had any real problem. But I've also been in sites where we were with full hookup. Mm -hmm. So I can't, I can't speak for those. I have, I have been in areas where we boondocked, but we were pretty solitary. Yeah. And so we ran our generator, but there was nobody within half a mile of us. So nobody was going to hear it. So I, in other words, I, I feel for those because I've written and read about many of these areas like Moab where you couldn't even get into boondocking anymore. It mm. would be worse than, you know, than a, a park that's overcrowded. And, of course, everybody and their brother boondocking would be running a generator, uh, you know, at least part of the time to uh, beef up your batteries. So I can't speak to much to that at the moment because I don't have a tremendous amount of experience of having annoying generator noise. Uh, I've our our rig is pretty pretty well uh I should say insulated so we don't hear a tremendous amount of noise but again it's not fair for me to try to speak for something I'm not really experienced in 
No, I think what we're seeing here is the golden rule um, ought to be practiced a little bit more often here and there. Um, we're going to wrap it up in just a couple minutes. Kate Doherty with RVTravel.com. I'm Scott Linden, the host of the RVTravel.com podcast. That's what you're listening to, by the way. Appreciate that. So um, if you had I got a, another big gripe. Yeah, I, I was going to say, gripe. if you're going to narrow it down, which, you know, oh, what, what's at the top of the list? arrogance of people who think we're slaves slaves meaning we're were my uh, spouse was cleaning the ladies bathroom now I'm gonna give you the picture in your mind the door is tied open the mop bucket is in front of the door inside the entry door is a really big garbage can and on the rules it's important that you read that Disinfecting and immense cleaning of the bathrooms and showers is between 11 and 12 every day. So we're in there, and you can't miss us. We have staff written in letters about eight inches tall on our T-shirts that we wear. Okay? Unless you're blind to one eye and can't see out of the other. So woman walks into the bathroom, and my husband walks out of the shower with gloves on, uh, cleaning rags, and spray disinfectant in his hands. What are you doing in here? This is the women's bathroom. Do you have dementia? And he said, oh, let me take these gloves off. How about you clean this? And I'll go <laughs> sit in my RV for a while. And, but, but the intonation was a comment not necessary. Nasty, vitriolic, and um, it's been more than once. Come in. Oh, I don't care. I'm just going to go in and take a shower. No, you can't. We're, we're cleaning. No, I'll be just a few minutes. Again, the entitlement of I'm going to do what I want because I don't care. I have nobody to, I'm not accountable for my actions or responsible for my actions. Um, and it's really a tough thing when people will not adhere to park policy. I mean, I do, I've been in the men's room and most of the guys are extremely congenial. Nope, I'm sorry, no problem. And I'm thinking, well, first off, why would you go into a bathroom with the door tied open Two, when you can obviously smell and tell that the cleaning is going on when you go into Sam's or any normal big uh, grocery store and, or, you know, box store. And obviously they have the cone out. They've got tape over the top cleaning. You don't go in the bathroom. You observe it. You stand back. But why is it that people who are in RV parks think they don't have to adhere to the policy of, and most of these people shouldn't be coming into the bathroom anyway if they're self-contained. You know, it sounds like we could uh, alleviate a lot of angst, a lot of conflict, if uh, if everybody basically did read whatever the guidelines, the rules, whatever it is for each individual park as they're headed for it or upon arrival, and we've all been guilty of that. Luckily, there are so many considerate people out there and that's why we travel and there are some people who will go over and above the call of duty sounds like you two have periodically and i've been the beneficiary of that and i like to think i pay it forward once in a while as well maybe we should do that sometime we should put together a list of all the wonderful things we could do as rvers to help out our fellow rvers maybe the newcomers but maybe any aspect of that as well so that's my promise to you kate let's start working on that making some notes kate doherty freelance writer you see her byline all over the place in rvtravel.com this is all going to be part of a great article down the road which hopefully we'll all learn from in the meanwhile kate stay safe out there don't get blown away stay in wyoming at least when the wind hits you hard and uh, thanks for being a part of the rvtravel.com podcast. You're welcome, Scott. Remember, Aretha Franklin's R-E-S-P-E-C-T. A great <laughs> song on top of everything else. <laughs> Bye-bye, Kate. <laughs> Take care. Bye. And don't the rest of you go away because we got lots more to talk about. I got some news, uh, a recall, in fact, that you probably ought to pay attention to. But first, welcoming our friends at the teardropshop.com. It's exactly what you think it is. It is a chance for you to kind of browse, uh, browse. I just made up a word, peruse or browse all of the accessories that you might need for your teardrop trailer, whether it's a little guy, a tab, an R-Pod, they're all covered 
pardon the pun, literally and figuratively, from tents and shelters, little visors, trailer accessories, parts, solar power, sewer and water stuff, apparel and gifts. If you're a teardropper, you know what I mean. There's all sorts of great stuff out there. 12-volt accessories, electronics, towing and leveling gear. Here's the best news. Sign up for their newsletter at teardropshop.com and you'll get a discount code for 10% off. And that's not even counting the military discount. It's all at teardropshop.com. Tell them I sent you. Promised you some news on a recall. 87,649 Jayco trailers are being recalled right now. If you have a 2017 or 2018 Jayco, check in with the manufacturer or your dealer. You can get more information at the Jayco site. Propane regulator may fail and cause a fire. Yipes! I don't think you really want to take a chance on that, so check it all out. All 87,649 of you, be careful out there. Check into the recall if you will, please. I want to see you down the road next season as well. And that'll about do it here at the RVTravel.com podcast. Sure enjoyed kind of, I guess, getting it off our chest with Kate a little bit. Maybe you have a few thoughts in that area as well. If you do, well, remember everybody was a newbie once or everybody's having a bad day once in a while. Easier said than done, of course, but I hope you will keep that in mind the next time I'm trying to back into the space next to you late at night after a long drive for both of us. I'll leave you with this. It's a t-shirt. Now think about this. You're looking at somebody wearing it. And all of these words are upside down on that t-shirt. See if you can get it. It says, if you could read this, please put me back in my camp chair. Been there, done that. Thank you, Kate Doherty, for your insights from both sides of the check-in desk. You can read Kate's stuff at rvtravel.com. I'm Scott Linden, your host. Thanks for joining me. Hope you'll leave us a great review at Apple Podcasts. See you on the road.